I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we're talking about a chattel valuation. We're doing a deep dive where we're going to go through a chattel valuation and tell you what's included in these. Now, these are going to become even more and more important because of the government's changes. People are going to be wanting to calculate as many tax deductions as possible in order to decrease their tax liability. I'm talking property investors here. And your chattel valuation is the best way to do this or one of the main ways you're able to do this as a property investor because then you can claim back depreciation and decrease the amount of tax you would otherwise pay if you didn't have one of these. So we're going to go through one, we're going to tell you what's in it and how much you can actually save. Now, the way this actually works is you've got things in your house, you've got appliances, heat pumps, maybe a dishwasher, you've got some carpets and over time these things wear out. And that has a cost to you as a property investor. So what you can do is say, well, okay, there's $2,000 worth of cost of depreciation this year. And you claim that as an expense on your tax bill. And of course, if your rate is 33% of tax and you're claiming $2,000 worth of costs, then that's about $600 or $660 of tax that you're not otherwise paying. And if you know your tax bill is about to go up four, five, six grand because the government's going to change how you're able to claim back interest expenses, that's where this is going to become very, very important. Now, in order to claim back depreciation of all the chattels in your house, you've got to get a chattel valuation done so your accountant knows how much depreciation to actually claim. So let's talk about the process that a chattel valuer goes through in order to figure out the value of what you've actually got in your house right now. What they'll do, if you're doing this when you're just purchasing a property, is they will actually split that purchase price between the land value and any improvements. So they'll be like, okay, this house is worth 600k, whatever it is. The land value might be 300k, so everything else is worth 300k. That's the building and everything within it. And then what they'll do is they will estimate the value of the building and what is left in terms of the chattels. And so they might say, cool, we estimate there's 41k worth of chattels in total, and then they have to go through and split everything up into categories. And we'll go through what some of these categories are in a moment. But it's a bit of a convoluted process. It doesn't actually start with how much is that heat pump worth. They start with the total value of the property and then cut it down to a total value of what the chattels are worth and then cut it down even further. Let's go through this chattel valuation in front of us, Andrew. Where was the house and how did they go through that process? Yeah, sure. So I thought I'd choose a property from one of my investors who invested in Papamoa. The purchase price of the investment was $669,000, and that was for a three-bedroom, single-garage house in Papamoa. As I said before, the land value, $317,000, so 47.4% of that. The building value, which used to be able to depreciate, but can't anymore, was 46.5%. And the chattels, and this remember, this is not a furnished property at all, and this is where there's often a misconception, well, it's not furnished, what's the point? $40,600, so 6.1% of the total purchase price was made up of chattels. So let's talk about the total savings from that chattel valuation and how it compares to the cost of actually getting one. Well, the total expenses are potentially $40,600 because that's what's going to wear out over time. The top tax rate today, as we're recording this, is 33%, soon to be 39%. 
Based on that, you've got a potential 13400 of tax savings compared to if you didn't claim that depreciation, if you never got a depreciation schedule. And so the cost of the channel valuation, it's only $450 roughly. Sometimes you can get these done as part of your valuation if you're getting a house valuation. Some valuers offer this as an extra. One thing to remember here, people when they get a property valuation from a registered valuer, there will be a chattel amount in there and it might be $20,000 or it might be $10,000. The definition of chattels in that are quite different from what the IRD will let you claim. The definition of there is normally things like the heat pump, might be the stove and probably the carpets and maybe the curtains. It's usually about half of what you can actually claim because there's so much more which we're going to go into. And it's really important here to just note that 13.4k is pretty significant, especially if your tax bill is about to go up three or $4,000 a year, this might offset most of that. So your next three years, you might not have that additional tax liability that you otherwise thought you might have. And actually, the key thing here is that the tax savings uh, occur quite early on because of the way that it's calculated. And if you're in a diminishing value, you know, you've got 40000 today and then, you know, say that diminishes at 20%, then next year, then it's going to be 20% of 80% of the $40,000 value, if that makes sense. And so, of course, you're getting those benefits right up front. And so the key message is get it done early and actually just don't forget this step. This is probably one of the novice investors' most common mistakes, not getting a depreciation schedule and not registering it with their accountant so that they can actually get those benefits. And it's really important to note as well that when you're using my ROI spreadsheet, which I know some of you guys are using and have downloaded, it's really important to note that because you're putting channels in, which might be, I think, 40 grand is the default. That's where you'll see less of the government's most recent tax policy come in because while you might have a greater tax liability, the chattel depreciation is actually offsetting a lot of that. So you're not having that same level of tax you otherwise would have. It comes later on. So very, very important to get done, especially for people who need a bit of rental inflation to happen first before your property really starts to be quite positively geared. Now, let's just talk about some of the things that can be depreciated. And I'll give you the top ones and the bottom ones. So when this property in Papamoa had its valuation done, the number one asset or channel there was driveways and paths. So this is really interesting, Andrew. Most people wouldn't think that a driveway or a garden path is a chattel. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I often point out to investors because when they get that small amount of chattel value on a registered valuer, they think, oh, yeah, they've got it all covered. I guarantee they haven't included that. Now, the one thing just to, to note, though, is that the driveway and paths are depreciated very, very slowly as well. So it's not like you're going to depreciate that by 20% a year. I believe it's something more like 4% yeah. a year. Still, it's, it's still tax that you don't have to pay. And that's the main thing. But also your carpets and fences. So again, you might think, okay, a chattel is a, is a heat bump or a dishwasher. No, it's also the fences that are gating your property. It's your carpets. It's your air conditioners it's your blinds and some of those other things that you otherwise would have thought of. Let's go to the other end as well and talk about some of those chattels which are really, really cheap and don't make much of a difference if I can say that. So your mailbox is a chattel. So are alarms or heaters and clotheslines, any mirrors that are in there, those are all considered chattels as well. But of course, some of those cheaper ones depreciate really, really quickly. So you might depreciate that mailbox. I don't have it in front of me, but it might be four years, for instance, as opposed to 25 years like your driveway would be in that same instance. 0.2%. 2-3%. It's not a lot, is it? 
No, no, that's 0.23% of the overall value of the channel. Oh, oh, that's it. Oh, sorry. Now, walk us through, though. What happens, Andrew, once you get the schedule? So we go to Valuit or an equivalent company. We get our depreciation schedule. We've paid our $450. I can't wait to save 13.4K on my tax bill. What do I actually do with it? Well, you need to give it to your accountant so that they can actually factor this in when they file your returns with the IRD. It's really important that not only you give it to them, but you also make sure that's in your tax return when they do your end of year financials. Often I see that someone might have flicked that off to their accountant you know, midway through a financial year. And then come tax time, they send them the bank statements and then they file the return and lo and behold, it wasn't in there. Really important that you get that in there and also just remind them and check when you receive and you sign off on your financials, it's there. And what your accountant's going to do then is they're going to decide how they're going to depreciate it, either by using the straight line or the diminishing value. So straight line, i.e. 20% equally for the next five years or 25% say at a greater amount, but based on the residual from the book value from last time. But the rates that are able to be used are set by the IRD and we can probably actually link that in the show notes. The IRD have an extensive list on their website and each of the different amounts that you can diminish it by. Often we get asked the question, which is better, straight line or diminishing value? It does depend, and this is a decision for your accountant or you and your accountant. You do want to depreciate as quickly as possible so you can save tax as early as possible. In this case, over 10 years, straight line worked out to be better over that 10-year period. You still get the same amount of benefit on either way. Fantastic. And the other thing that I want to talk about as well is, well, how does a chattel valuer decide what all of these things are worth? Because it's really interesting. And what they do is they have what they call the depreciated reinstatement approach, which is the replacement cost and then minus a whole heap of factors. So let's say I've got a heat pump here and we want to figure out what that's worth in a chattel valuation. Then they might say, well, what's the heat pump worth if I wanted to go out and buy a heat pump? And then they'd say, well, let's take off the age and any physical depreciation. So somehow it got banged up. Say if it was a panel heater and, you know, my child took a knife or a pair of scissors to that. Um, I don't know why a child would do that, but I was, <laughs> I was struggling to come up with an example. Or if there was any technical issues with that, they'd take that all off. And that's where they would try and come up, well, what is that channel then worth? But then once they've got that value, they've got to make it all add up to the total amount of channels. So remember... The way they do this is not by adding up what the heat pump is worth and adding up what the carpet's worth. No, they've got to target chattel value first because they had to value the land and they had to value the building and that gave them what the chattels were worth. So they've got to figure out what everything's worth and then adjust it to make sure that everything within the property then adds up to what they initially said all the chattels were worth. And they'll use some data, like they'll look at retail suppliers, they'll go to placemakers and Mitre 10, or they'll use a construction handbook to figure out what all of these are worth. But they've got to make it add up to that initial value that they said the channels were worth. Let me ask you this, Andrew, though. Are there any fish hooks or quirks within channel valuations? Yes, is the short answer. So if you sell an asset for more than its book value, back in the good old days, when property investment was in the black and white era, we used to see often a sale and purchase would come and you might purchase a property and it will say, let's say it was $250,000 that you're paying. A savvy property investor will actually have the breakdown when they're selling the property. So it might say, okay, there's 100K of land and there's 2K of chattels and the difference here is 148K worth of house there. And that will be their new book value of the house. 
Actually, to be fair, it was probably more like 148,000 of land. And so often you would stack everything against the land, which wasn't depreciated. And so it would be clearly itemized in there, or it would be in the further terms of sale. It would say the understanding is this. I don't see this very often nowadays, but certainly back when you could depreciate a house, that was very, very common. Just walk us through, Andrew, for anybody who doesn't remember those good old days, why was this? Sorry, I just go off on a tangent. The reason for that is because you wanted to show that you were selling the particular components of that property at lower than the book value. Because if you sold it higher than the book value, you have to pay what's called depreciation recovered. So it's the depreciation that you've claimed on tax that didn't actually occur. So say, for example, and this is the whole reason why building depreciation was abolished. If you bought the property for 100000 and it had gone up, but you'd claimed depreciation, well, that depreciation wasn't real. So you have to pay that money back to the IRD. So the same applies for chattels. If you are depreciating your assets, your heat pump, and then you go and sell it at a profit, or more than the book value, then you have to pay that tax that you've claimed. And that's probably most likely, I think, if it's a piece of art or something that actually might go up in value, that might otherwise be considered a chattel. Otherwise, there's very few things that you would actually have to pay that tax on. It's not like somebody's going to go pay you more for the heat pump that you've used for 10 years than you actually bought it for initially. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, and hey, remember, using a channel valuation is only one of the ways to minimise your tax bill in order to respond to these government changes. Another one that we've been talking about is really taking an active approach and renovating properties in order to increase your income or cash flow from any existing properties. Now, we do have a webinar coming up about this with our special guest, Ilsa Wolf, who is is a very, very savvy active investor and she's going to be talking about how you can cash flow hack a property portfolio in order to increase its yield so you're able to pay that increased tax. Now I'm going to drop a link to that in the show notes so tap or swipe over the cover art, it'll be right in there or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. It's going to be Tuesday 27th of April at 7pm. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 